listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Uh, we're jumping into a, uh, a um, well, it's not a series, uh, just a, a, a standalone message. Is that okay for today? I'm excited. This Friday, Vision Builders. You need to sign up and be a part of that black tie event. We go out to a special dinner. We dress up nice. We have a sit-down, gorgeous meal. Uh, The cost is literally what we're paying for, for you to be able to be there. Lots of memories take place. Uh, For all of our vision builders who will attend, you get a yearbook, the annual yearbook, free of charge. Many of the pictures in the yearbook are only possible because of our generous vision builders. They help us to do above and beyond. You know, there's the bare minimum and our tithe makes sure that we're able to function as a church and pay our bills. But that vision builders allows us to, to put things into motion that otherwise would not be there. And so this has been a year full of that. We're gonna celebrate that on Friday. We're gonna celebrate what we're expecting for the new year. And uh, so get signed up, be a part of that. And uh, wives, if it's been a while since your husband's taken you out on a, to a special place and occasion, <laughs> this will be nice. This will be right up there, okay? It's awesome. Make sure you sign up for that. Also, I wanted to uh, congratulate Chance and Abby. They are engaged. Now, you, you might not have realized that if you're not on social media, but you probably realized it as Abby was worshiping God and she was singing out her praise to the Lord. And I think as I looked toward the back, Chance was levitating about a foot off the ground. It's almost like discovering like a treasure out in the woods, gold bars, million dollars. He's like, absolutely, it's just like that. So um, it's neat to see young people, you know, serve God first and then discover what God has for them, okay? So cool. Today's uh, uh, message is called The Stories We Tell. Proverbs chapter 18, verses 20 through 21 says, and this unusual portion of scripture, Um, But it says, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. Not fruit that goes in his mouth, his stomach is satisfied, but the fruit that his mouth creates, his stomach is satisfied. His, His life is satisfied as a result of the words he says. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Amazing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of the the words that we say, the power of the story we tell about our past, about our present, about our future. The fact is that we are actually creating a harvest going forward that will impact future events based on how we communicate with our mouths, the things we're experiencing or have actually experienced. And now there's, you got to get this, and we'll talk about this, but there are real events and they're not always good. We've, we've heard about that this morning. The holidays always seem to be, they're a celebration, but there's a little bit of a tearing in there because the people who are missing or things that are lost or someone who's not at the table and broken relationships or, or just circumstances in the world. Um, but, but within that, there's what has happened, but then there's how we talk about what happened. And as equally as the thing that happened impacts us, there's a future harvest that our words will create an impact on future events based on how we talk about what has happened to us. And I want you to see that in scripture today. So hand over your heart, let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning 
God, for your good people. I thank you for the beautiful, beautiful lives that have been changed as a result of Jesus Christ that stand in this room as we step into the Christmas season and we celebrate the coming of Jesus. Lord, we're so grateful. That's, that's the main message. Anything we talk about is secondary. And certainly this morning's message is a secondary message, but it's important, but it stands behind the truth of Jesus. Come to earth, humbled, serving your plan, giving his life, dying for our sin, resurrected on the third day and ascended and now seated at the right hand of the Father and coming again someday. And we look forward to that day, especially in these days, we find ourselves looking forward to it even more. But until then, Lord, use us to fill your house and your kingdom with your people. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand before you're seated. And again, beautiful decorations and what a beautiful season this is. I, I used to really, to be honest with you, 20 years ago, struggle with the holiday season just because of some memories and some experiences. But I find as I've kind of intentionally leaned into a different theme that I really look forward to the holidays. I, it's shocking that we don't have our tree already set up. Um, I've been doing some uh, renovations in the house, so that's kind of slowed the process down. But I look forward in the next couple of days to setting up our tree and uh, just sitting there with the glowing lights at nighttime. Rowena's is already decorated. We have a TV room downstairs and there's already a tree down there and just all kinds of stuff, you know, that, that makes the holidays special. Um, this really is a, a fascinating portion of scripture. I think that we think that our life consists of the things that we experience. In other words, things from the outside touch our lives and in Either, either make our lives good or bad. They improve our life or as they, they touch our lives, maybe it's a negative event that we experience. And, and so we're, we're kind of like a pinball being bounced around. But this portion of scripture in Proverbs chapter 18 really gives us a different image. The fact that we really have control over or an impact on our futures. And it's not from the outside, but it's from the inside. And then the communication that comes out of our mouth about our lives and about what we're experiencing and about the people around us. Um, to, to like dial this in, I wanna talk to you about a couple of the components that show up in this particular verse. Um, really, it's talking in a, in a uh, agrarian type of concept, that, that Proverbs scripture. And it talks about, first and foremost, a seed. It's, it, the seed really is that thing that has happened to us. It's the event that we experienced it's the thing that we're gonna talk about in the future, but it's, it's just, it's impacted us, it's happened. Or it could be something that's happening right now. It could also be something that we're looking forward to or a future that we desire, but the seed is the event. And the event is the event. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad and sometimes it's in the middle, but it, it is the, in a, the seed sense, it, it has the ability not only to be experienced, but when planted properly, it creates some things that otherwise would not take place if it weren't planted. And so today I want you to consider maybe some, as, you're, as we think about the stories that we tell or the, the, the dialogues that we have, we talk about the things that we've experienced. There's events. There's some things happening in your life right now. There's some things that have happened in the past. There's some things you're looking forward to in the future or you're concerned about in the future. Anybody you find yourself talking about that? especially in the world economics and 
all that we hear in the news. I would challenge you to turn on the Christmas music and turn some of that off, get, it, get the information, but the repeated pounding of the hammer over the same topics will just drive you down into the ground, and you'll feel like this whole world is on fire. And while there is some fire, the whole world is not on fire. And the worst thing you could do is pollute yourself by constantly bombarding yourself with negative news. Now, that seed, that event, is then modified. It's processed through your, through your senses, but it goes down into your heart, and your, this, the thing that you experience, it does get modified. Maybe not even intentionally. You know, when you study in our... In our world of food and our, our world of farming even today, there's something called GMOs. It's genetically modified organisms. We actually eat a lot of food where the, the original seed has been modified in its DNA to be able to withstand pesticides, to be able to withstand some of the other uh, vegetation that would attack it, also to be more durable and produce an even higher harvest. And some of what you actually experience, some difficulties in your digestive system are because we've adjusted or we've modified the grain that we eat. And so that's, you know, maybe something that you have to be very careful of or aware of. But I think that as we all experience events in our lifetime, uh, we have this, this, this process that happens without even planning it, where we begin to filter the events based on the condition of our heart, the posture of our heart, and then it begins to slant the story that we tell based on that, we don't even intend to do it. We don't, we don't plan and say, okay, I just, somebody just ran into my car. How am I gonna tell this story? We, we don't. But the condition of our heart is so strong that it impacts us the moment we jump out of the car. It does. And it, it, address, it, it impacts immediately how we go to talk to the person who's run into our car, whether it's our fault, their fault, whatever. And so that's how the story begins to come out. And some of that's just maybe the, the trauma of the moment, but some of it's, you know, the condition of my heart. When I drive down the road, this, this reveals my heart. I drive down the road wishing that everyone around me had gone to the Steve Parrish School of Driving because then they would know what they're doing. Anybody here like that? Everybody else is wrong all the time, except for that one little moment where I was wrong. And I'm like, oh, well, everybody makes mistakes. Right? Is that any of you? That is just me. Okay, so dim the lights. I'll just preach to myself. Um, but we, we begin to process through that filter of our hearts what we're experiencing, and the posture of our heart then really does kind of like a prism. It filters some things out and slants us in a direction before the words ever come out of our mouth. And I'm going to talk to you about a couple of key components of that in just a moment. But then we move into the, after we've modified it, we move into the planting phase. This is where you and I, we, we tell that modified story, sometimes just even internally. Sometimes it's not even a story that we even speak out loud. I have found that there are some people that are very honorable in what they speak, but inside the, the, the frequency, the sound, the, the story that they hear over and over is, you are so dumb, you have made so many mistakes, this is never gonna work out. And on the outside, they're putting on a, a happy face, but that still is important, the story that you are telling yourself over and over and over and over. In a season like this, where there's some, maybe some challenges on the, on, uh, out, out ahead of us financially, 
If you're like me, the story I keep telling myself over and over are key moments in my past where I dropped the ball and I could be better prepared in this season. Anybody? And you tell yourself again. And you tell yourself again. And you tell yourself again. The problem with that internal story is that it has some power. That's why the Bible talks about take every thought captive to Christ, to surrender every thought to Christ, to say, God, I have made mistakes way more than I can even think of, but I've laid them down at the foot of your cross and you redeem each and every one of those, right? And so the story is actually a modified story because it, it actually leaves out so many of the fact that God, but God redeemed that and God helped you with that. And that was an answer to prayer. It only focuses on that one little tiny slice of the pie that had a little something in it, right? And, and the problem with that and the problem with allowing that part of the story to be internalized over and over and over is you actually magnify it, it grows. And then, then it's the only thing that you can see. You know, when the Bible talks about magnify the Lord with me, how many of you know that God is already bigger than you can imagine? He's all-consuming. He fills the earth. His presence is everywhere. God doesn't need to lift weights to get stronger. He is the ultimate. He, so, so why do I need to make God bigger? Because I've made him itty-bitty-bitty-bitty in my thinking, in my thought process. At, and that happens because I take that, that mistake, that error of my sin, the thing I did wrong, and I focus on it so much that I get so close to it that though God is massively big, I'm now standing behind this tiny pebble, but I'm so close to it, it's the only thing I can see. And how many of you know that that is not a healthy way to live? It's not. If that internal thing is constantly going in your heart and in your mind, it's going to affect the outcome. So I wanna challenge you. We're gonna work a little bit here on adjusting the stories that we tell, even the stories that we tell internally, because they'll poison you or, or they'll, they'll fertilize you for the better, for the future, okay? So as we plant those words, remember this, that um, our words, they are prophetic, especially once they come out of our mouth. Uh, I'll never be able to win this. This is never gonna work out. You're never gonna fulfill that. You're never gonna be able to do that. You're, you know, and our words are prophetic. They have an impact. Oh no, Steve, they really don't. They're not like that. Listen, God created the world with what? His hands? No, with a word. And God has made you in his image. And that, book, that proverb scripture says, from the fruit of your lips, you will experience your stomach being satisfied. Your words have an impact on your life and everyone else's. The story you tell, the version of the story, the modified version has an impact and things grow from it as you plant them. They also create atmospheres. You know, it's interesting to be around people, even Kim sharing this morning, which was incredibly transparent. How many of you though, in a very strange way, were very encouraged by everything she said? She, she, it was because of the posture of her heart as she spoke. In great difficulty, she spoke about hope. She spoke about future. She spoke about comfort. She spoke in the midst of being, of hurting, the words of her lips produced fruit for you and I. I stood here thinking, 
man, I, I'm so encouraged. I, I feel wrong. It feels wrong almost. Because someone who's going through a difficult time is able to lift you up because of the fruit of their lips. And so when you, when you, you see that fulfilled all throughout scripture, number four thing that happens in this verse as we're looking at it is there is a harvest. Your words do go out. They do land. They land on people's hearts. They land in circumstances. They land in situations. They land in scenarios. They, 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 they land in the heavens. God hears. The enemy also hears the things that you say. And there are residual events that we experience that result from the story we told. How many people didn't get the next job because while leaving the last job, they decided to give them a piece of their mind before they left? You bosses know what I'm talking about. There's, you know, telephone and we, we, you know, references and stuff like that. And it was those words that you said in parting that actually poisoned a future opportunity. And that applies to so many different things and positively as well. How many times in your life have you done something special for someone, not knowing who they were and spoken words of encouragement only to see that returned into your life based on who they were and what they could do and just pour it back into your life? It's the words of your mouth that actually create that opportunity. So my question for you is what story are you telling and how is that impacting you? Can you, see, can you see the cause and effect? Can you look backwards and say, wow, that story I've told a thousand times, I'm not talking about your hunting success. I'm talking about that thing that happened that comes up only in remote situations, but you share that story again about what you went through and how does that pay its way forward into your future? I was really challenged by this thought, um, listening to a message on honoring your mother and your father. And I, and I know that everybody didn't grow up in, in, you know, everybody doesn't, you know, Corey and Jenny are not everybody's parents, right? So there's not this, uh, some of us have different experiences. And so, um, and I, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but how many of you know Corey and Jenny are some amazing parents, right? Um, you can get, you get lucky with one kid, but you start seeing two kids and yeah, there might be something in their parenting. So ask them questions if you're start, just starting out. Um, but not everyone has had parents who are Christians locked into the local house, serving faithfully, growing as disciples, always trying to take ground. And so maybe your, your experience with mom and dad was maybe traumatic. Maybe it was physical. Maybe it was sexual. And maybe, maybe it was uh, a rejection. But the Bible says to honor your mother and your father, and it will go well with your life. And I listened to the message on this, and it was an interesting tension between recognizing what really happened, we don't lie about that, and yet we could still speak honorably about people who have done us wrong. In fact, a lot of that happens in what is not said, but then some of it is in how what is said is said. And, I, and I, it led me down this rabbit trail to begin to think about different things that I've experienced and how we become this character in our own story. And as we share the story, the way we share the story sets a runway to the, to the destination that we'll find ourselves in. How many of you were forced to do something in life that you really didn't wanna do, but there's no way out of it, right? And then you tell that story. And you tell that story maybe with a, with a, a slant because of your heart condition, 
you're the, you're the central player, you're the chief victim of all you had to go through. And it becomes like scar stories that we tell our friends, oh, you think that's bad? Listen to what I had to go through. And we kind of, we share those narratives and they go around. Um, it's important for us to recognize the story that we tell because the Bible does say, as you speak honorably about mother and father, the harvest is, it will go well with you and you will have a long life. And you will find that there are some things that you could share that are true, that are dishonoring. And there's some things that you can omit that don't need to be said. And there's some things that are still honorable, even about some of the worst, the, parent, the parents who've lacked, lacked the skills and lacked the experience, and yet honorable things can be still said that allow for the fruit of your harvest in the future to be good. Let me lean into uh, three different heart filters that I think are important as you consider your story, okay? Um, and we'll take, take these one at a time. Uh, the first thing I, I would challenge you to consider as you look at events that happen in your life is how do you see what happened to you? Do you see it as an opportunity or do you see it as an injustice, especially if it was something that wrongly happened to you? Now, certainly there are injustices that we've all experienced, but to lean into the injustice side is to actually modify the story because that's not the complete story because we know that for all of us as believers, the steps of a man are established by the Lord. When he delights in his way, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds his hand. That actually that you and I, as the Lord leads us, while we do experience trouble, God uses everything we experience for his good purposes. I didn't say God caused bad things to happen. God is not the author of that. But in the bad that we experience, God can redeem it. And if at the beginning of the story, you recognize that, and that is the slant of the story that you tell, you're gonna find it will take you to a better destination. See, there's a way of looking at what you've experienced as either an opportunity or an injustice. And again, the event is the event and there's truth to it, but the story that you tell becomes important. Now, there'll be a close, hopefully, group of people that you can share your heart with through life that they can help to measure this stuff and you can bear all, certainly to the Lord. You can, you know, share your complaint with the Lord, the Bible says, but you could share your, your issues with one another and pray for one another. But in, the, in general, I think the story that we tell becomes really, really important because there's a different story when you face difficulty yet you see it as an opportunity because God is leading you, or you share it from the point of an injustice. And the outcomes of those will be radically different. Now, you might still navigate like a pinball to a good outcome, but how many of you know rehearsing that, that injustice over and over gets on you and gets on the people who listen to you? Am I just preaching myself? Anybody alive? Are you here? Okay. Numbers, it's, uh, you could take all of the proof to what I'm talking about and just look at the Israelites as they step into the promised land and the proof is all in here in the scripture. There are 12 spies that go out into the land to see the promise of God and what God said he would do and the 12 come back with basically two different stories and the story they tell dictates the experience they have in the next 40 years. There's no greater story that will prove that's that proverb that the fruit of your lips will bring satisfaction to your stomach, that you will enjoy the good yield of the crop of your lips like this story. As we read in Numbers 13, 
they send out the spies and it says at the end of the 40 days, the spies, all 12 of them returned back to tell Moses what they experienced. They brought back word to them, to all the congregation. Now they're gonna tell their leaders the story. They're gonna tell their friends the story. They're gonna tell their family the story of the thing that they're going through. And they showed them the fruit of the land. I mean, this is giant fruit that they had to carry. Grapes that were so much larger than anything that they had experienced before. The land was, in their own words, flowing with milk and honey. In fact, they say it right there. And this is its fruit. Now, here's a key word. However. How 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 many of you know that an opportunity can get disrailed, derailed by that phrase, however? Well, it's really, really good, but, and you know what I'm gonna say next, it's a big stinky but, stay away from it, okay? It will impact the story. However, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong and the cities are fortified and very large and they go on to tell about how this is not an opportunity, but this is actually a problem and it's not fair and there's an injustice here. I thought we were leaving one place for someplace better. This is way worse. Why is this happening to us? Why have you led us here? And the words of their, their lips are very powerful. Joshua and Caleb, two of the spies who went out, they tell a good report. But the other 10 spies who we don't know their name, that's what happens when you have a bad report. Nobody remembers your name. They remember your story. Who was that guy? And, and their, t- their stories end quite a bit differently. I think that that's important for you to recognize. How are you looking at the event? How are, why is this happening to me? Lord, what do you have? Man, I don't know if this is gonna work out. But God, you got my steps. I lost my job, but God's got another one for me. Man, I lost a family member this week, this month, last year during the holiday season. But I am so thankful for the memories we had with them. It hurts that they're gone, yet God was so good to give us that time with them. See, our story, excuse me, is either an opportunity or it's an injustice. I'm gonna grab a cough drop. Slide number two, moving right along. Okay, I think the second heart filter <coughs> that you need to consider is, is your heart postured with an attitude of faith or unbelief? Where, do, where, does your heart, where does your mind go to automatically when you begin to experience things? I mean, does the sun get eclipsed by all the clouds? Or do you immediately pull the clouds out of the way and say, there's the sun? Are you leaning into the promises of God and rehearsing those over and over, I know this looks bad, but God, or I know this looks bad, and. Nah, 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 nah. A heart of faith will radically impact your story. What is faith? Faith is just believing that God's got this. God's got this. There's an old saying, that I, a promise that was given to me that is so true about me, but I, I hope it's true of all of us together corporately. I don't know what a day holds, but I do know who holds my day. I don't know what I'm gonna face today, but I'm pretty sure it's gonna be an opportunity because I'm following him and where he leads me, he will help me to navigate through. 
This is not gonna be the end of me. This is not gonna be the end of the sad story. God's got promises over my life. And so my hardest posture to say, okay, God, what are you gonna do in this scenario? What are you gonna do in this situation? It doesn't take away from the fact that there's big enemies in the land and we can call them big. These were the Nephilim. These were the giants. These were like, like the giant that, that uh, King David fought as a young boy. These are, these are giants and the land was filled with them That's a reality. However, the response is, but God, God's gonna help us. And so we see that. Numbers 13, 30, it starts off with a good but, okay? But Caleb quieted the people. Sometimes you gotta tell people, just stop telling your story. Stop it. Listen to yourself. Just stop for a minute. Quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. No more time for nobody telling no more stories to poison this scenario. Let's go now. God is for us. He says, and we will be able to overcome it. He speak, you know why he's saying that God is gonna help us to do this? You know how he's able to do that? Well, wishful thinking. No, God already told them, I'm giving you this land. So his faith isn't just believing in, you know, I hope things turn out well. His faith is anchored in the word of God. The word of God tells me I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll prosper you. So in times of struggle, I'm able to anchor my faith on that saying, God, you've got good things for my future. I'm not just hoping that they turn out. You said that you would be with me and help me to navigate forward. And I'm confident that you're gonna take care of me. I found in these some 35 years of following him, I've never missed a meal that I didn't intend to miss. Never, never. Never, ever, ever. He's got a track record of goodness in my life. And so Caleb leaned into that. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we are. You've got unbelief. There's belief, there's faith, and then there's unbelief. And you got two people who have seen, or two groups of people who have seen the exact same thing, yet walking away with completely different stories. Why? Because of the condition of their heart. Same problems, same circumstances, same promises from God. Don't be the type of person that allows yourself to lean into unbelief. God is honored by our faith. Faith moves the heart of God. Faith is spoken out of our lips. Faith unlocks the future. Faith is what pulls open those doors. You'll find that as for Joshua and Caleb, who said God is able, they experience the ableness of God. For the ones who said God is not able, guess what? According to your faith, be it done unto you. Don't poison your future by speaking out unbelief. You do, again, the truth is still the truth and the fact that there are giants there is a reality. You, know, you can talk about the giants. Don't even say anything about the giants. Act like they're not there. No, that's not faith. Faith looks at the giant and recognize, whoa. But faith also says, There's a chasm between woe and me stepping into the land and God, you're gonna fill that chasm. God, you're gonna fill that chasm. They lean into speaking out faith. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I first start speaking words of faith over a new situation, they're forced. But as I force them into the atmosphere that's been permeated with this difficulty, 
I find myself being charged by my own words. It impacts other people. And then suddenly the temperature in the scenario begins to warm up and I see opportunities and possibilities as I get my head up above the wind and the waves to see the thing that God has. And so as you read down through that, um, we have the account there of faith and unbelief. So make sure your heart is positioned for faith, okay? Final one, and we'll finish up here. Uh, The final one is really that, I've mentioned it already, the topic of honor and dishonor. In every event that you have in your lifetime, there are people, there are circumstances, there are players within the story. And I wish this is something I had learned when I was younger, but how you tell the story oftentimes, depending on if you're the victim, okay, or there's an opportunity, um, or if there's unbelief or there's faith, will really begin to position how you frame the other characters that are involved with the story. And listen, it's never a good idea to dishonor people. We can still speak the truth without dishonoring. You hear that in our politics all day long. There is the ability to tell the truth without being dishonoring, or there's the ability to just dishonor. And you don't want to lean into that dishonor because it's spewing poison. The Bible says in the book of James that we speak blessing out of this this mouth that has a well, and then we speak cursing. And how is it possible that the same well would give out blessing and cursing? And the Bible says, brothers, this should not be. We could speak out life even when speaking out truth. We could speak honestly about political leaders without leaning into um, dishonor. Because when you dishonor, that turns itself back on you. It gets on you, okay? And so numbers, notice this. This happens right after our our previous reading. It says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry. Your story will impact the crowd around you. It'll impact your, your workers, your coworkers, your children, your family, in ways that are, are, are just, you, you have to understand that you are an architect building things with your lips, not just what you, the structure you have to live in, but the structures that others experience as well. And all the people of Israel grumbled against who? Against Moses and Aaron. You know, it does your kids no good to listen to what an idiot your boss is. You're actually training them to see authority figures as idiots to actually have a dishonorable posture. Um, You know, how many of you have ever been pulled over by a police officer? Let's be honest, you were wrong, right? Maybe you weren't, maybe there's one time when you, but there's a million ingredients you can add to that story to save face to the people that are inside of your car, or you can just be like, dude, I was speeding. Man, I wish I'd been going the speed limit. I'm gonna drive the speed limit in the future. But we have this tendency to reach down into the, the, I don't like how he talked to me. Did you see how he talked to me? He wouldn't be having a conversation with you if you hadn't been speeding. Right? Are you understanding where I'm going with this? Like you can paint anybody as the villain. In fact, they painted Jesus as a villain. And if dishonor is going to be a part of your language, that is such a poison that will absolutely nuke your world. 
because you'll carry it into every, every scenario and you'll actually build armies who agree with you. Sometimes they'll be your kids and you'll be so mad later on in life. Why are they, why are they rebelling against me? Because you've taught them every step of the way how to rebel against every leader figure in your life. It's bulletproof glass right here. And we've all been guilty of it, but man, to still speak honor, it's amazing, amazing. When you look at the life of David, he had every reason to talk about Saul as a vile, vile, ungodly human being. And yet even in moments when he had the ability to kill Saul, he said, oh, I would never do this to the Lord's anointed. You know that leadership in your life is anointed by God? I could go a little farther. Why don't you stand with me? We're gonna end with these couple of scriptures. So you can speak to honor or dishonor. Again, let me, let me just, just a little nugget to push in just a little bit, little bit deeper on that. Again, we don't want to tell lies about how great something is that's not great. We don't make up stories about, oh, my boss is amazing. But I can say this, I thank God the day that boss gave me a job. I mean, good boss, bad boss, they're paying you with their money. Yeah, but I'm doing work for them. Yeah, but if they didn't give you the opportunity, you wouldn't be getting nothing. So what's an honorable thing you can say? Not, not they're amazing boss. Maybe they're not a great boss. Maybe they're not a great leader. Man, I thank God for the day that individual gave me the opportunity to earn income. I pray God's blessing over them because God has used them to fund the food on my table. That's honorable and that's not lying. It's still truth. It teaches a heart of thankfulness to the people in your world. It will impact the people in your world. You know, you could go tomorrow to work and you could begin to stir up a whole bunch of injustices about your boss or let's just say the board that's over your your teacher's union or whatever it is and begin to point out all the negative things and you could stir up an army and everybody will be ready to lynch somebody by the end of the day. That's the power of the tongue. And dishonor is especially potent. Don't get caught up in that stuff because your future depends upon it. Your future, not to mention the people's future that are listening to you. A couple final verses. Psalm 51 verse 10, created me a clean heart. That's the issue, it's my heart. I mean, Lord, the things that are gonna happen, I don't know what a day holds, but I do know who, who holds the day. Let me filter this correctly. Touch my heart and allow my heart to be clean. James chapter four, eight says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. You'll be able to cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Draw close to God, amen? We're gonna go ahead and take this. We're gonna sing a final song, but let me pray for you. Anybody, this is, this is a challenge for you? Let me, no, let's, let's, it is a challenge for me. I recognize in my life, there have been some stories I've told. Yeah, there's some things that actually God has positioned me to do, but I didn't like having to do them. And so in telling the story, I'm gonna do this. I don't really feel like I should or have to, but I'm gonna do it because God's making me. There was a time before that where I was in Bible college in my prayer closet at nighttime, oh God, Please give me an opportunity, oh God. Please let me, something, I want to do anything for you. And the door opened. And now I'm complaining that, oh, it's not the opportunity I was hoping for. 
that story will poison the outcome of that. Don't poison your opportunities, amen? Amen, if this is you, hand in the air, I'm gonna put my hand over my heart, this is me, okay? Some of you, you're, you're good to go, that's fine. God bless you, the story you tell is awesome. I struggle with my story. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, God. I thank you for the good people that stand here. All of us, Lord, were impacted by your presence this morning. I pray that you will fill our hearts as we sing this final song with the washing of the truth. You allow us to maybe evaluate how we've talked about family members, how we've talked about previous employment, how we, uh, we talk about the players in a, uh, a previous trauma. And God, uh, I repent for my mistelling of stories. I, I really repent for my heart condition. And I ask, just as David prayed in Psalm 51, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Wash, wash my heart, Lord, and help me moving forward to be very dialed in to the words that I'm saying and the truth that's ahead of me that will impact my future and impact the lives of people that I share my story with. God, I pray that my stories will always be truthful. I pray that they will always be uplifting, that you will always be the hero of every story that I tell and every injustice is righted by the redemption of the cross and that there is always hope in current situations that are unanswered because you've promised you'd be the one that takes care of me. And I'm excited about that, Lord. I celebrate today, God, your goodness over my life. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 